Come on, Kingdom City Church. You made it out to a holiday weekend service. That means you're humble, you're hungry, you're super faithful. My favorite kind of people to preach to in all the world. Everybody good? Hey, can we say hello to the people online right now? Can we say hello to the men of Lansing Correctional Facility? We love you. And how about the plaza location that we're linking live? We love you. One big family of faith in two locations. And man, wherever you're at, we believe God's got something so special and significant for you. Amen. I know you got the day off tomorrow, but today, before Labor Day, we're going to do some work. Why don't you turn to your neighbor as you take your seat and say, I got some work that needs to get done. I got some work that needs to get done. Holy Spirit, do a work. Do a work, Lord. Won't he do it? I just want to give a little shout out to Cam and Sarah here. I feel like I just saw you. I saw you on Friday. It was your wedding day, and you're already up in church. Did you have a hashtag for your wedding? What was it? These are their stories. I like a better story. I want a better story for your life. We all good? Okay, we just got done with a week full of prayer. And we prayed over all your needs. If you're not filling out a Connect card and letting us know what you're walking through, what you're celebrating, you're missing a unique opportunity to get prayer throughout the week. Which means to me, you probably don't understand how prayer really works. That when we cry out, God gets to work. And if you want God to get to work in your life, start letting us know, church family, what we can be believing for. We're believing it is a season of kingdom come, which means it's a season of heaven to earth, which means it's a season of uncommon miracles. And we're believing those for your life. So let us know as we pray. 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings. We're going Old Testament today. 2 Kings 13. Let me set the background before we read our key passage. Elisha, the prophet, is soon going to die. It's the end of an era where God is ministering to the prophets in powerful ways to his people. And depending on your Bible, you got a different name for the king. It's either Jehoash or Joash. Don't ask me why it's different. I can tell you, but it's boring. I'll just say this. Whatever your Bible says, go with that one. And I'm going to tell you which one I'm going with. I'm going with Joash because it's easier to say, and I'm from Oklahoma, so I need all the help I can get. And he's the king of Israel. He was not a good king. He didn't always follow God. First seven years of his life, he grew up in the temple. I mean, he was all in for God, and then he fell away. And he needed Elisha, bad. Elisha, who didn't like the king's heart towards God but loved God's people, would tell him, hey, this is what your enemy is planning to do. This is the problem you're about ready to face. He, he, he gave inside information to the king to protect God's people. And as Elisha is passing away, there goes Joash's security blanket. Elisha would represent the God, the people, and the people to God. He would encourage the people that this is what God has on the horizon. He would correct and encourage others. Hey, you got to change your ways. You need to repent. And Elisha didn't just preach. Elisha had some power to his game. 16 documented miracles in the Old Testament, which puts him second all-time in miracles. Do you know who number one is? Come on, everybody knows. That's the right answer at Sunday school is Jesus. And as Elisha's near his death, he invites the king for one final meeting. Joash begins to mourn over Elisha. And verse 15 says this, and Elisha said to him, hey, take out a bow and arrows. And so he took out his bow and arrows. 
And Elisha says to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on the bow. He was following everything step by step. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. The prophet comes around the king and says, for one last time, I'm going to support you. For one last time, I'm going to help you. For one last time, I'm going to show you exactly what to do. And he says, open the window to the east. And they opened it. And Elisha said, shoot that arrow, and he shot. He says, that's the Lord's arrow of victory. It's the arrow of victory over Syria, your enemy. And you will strike the Arameans in Aphek until you have destroyed them. In other words, the next battle in Aphek, you're going to win. He gave him hands-on help, step-by-step -step instructions. But then Elisha, like any good TV infomercial, says, wait there's more. He said, take the arrows that you got. And he took them. He said to the king of Israel, strike the arrow, strike the ground with the arrows. And he struck the ground three times and stopped. But the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. And you would have struck down Syria, not just in one battle, but you could have ended the war. You could have made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. In other words, because you didn't have passion, because you didn't put your heart into it, because you did the bare minimum, you're going to have a little victory in a battle, but you're going to lose the war. I want to speak today from the thought of opportunities and effort. That God gives us all divine opportunities whether we see them as something spiritual or significant or not, but the effort, the energy, how many know this is a message for Labor Day weekend? The effort of work we put into it will determine the significance of the season we walk into. See, every God opportunity, God wants to bring victory. And there's this crossroads that are the breakthrough that are found in the meeting place of God opportunities and our effort. It requires us to not sit back, but to step up. And I just declare over our church, it's step-up season for Kingdom City Church. Can we pray? Come on, everyone. Plaza, Lansing, people online up north, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you got a word for every heart. Like only you can. You want to speak to every heart. So take this old, ancient story and make it relevant, not for education, but for application to our everyday life. Show us how to, by your spirit, begin to perceive the crossroads of opportunity and our moment of effort, our decision to obey, how to follow you wholeheartedly. I pray that I'm leading a wholehearted, all in, all the effort we got for all that you have for us kind of church. Lord, would you bless us today and lead us into your plan in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I remember when I uh, asked Liz out for the very first time. Um, uh, you know, they call it shooting your shot. I shot my shot. Now, we were leading, uh, co-leading this, this youth trip to a youth, uh, a youth conference, really, like a youth camp. And I remember we hung out the whole week, and uh, we we're about ready to go our separate ways. Uh, I actually lived in a different city, and, and, and she was actually serving at my parents' church. Shout out to mom and dad uh, for hooking me up with Liz, some sort of spiritual nepotism. I'm thankful for it. And I remember, like, we kind of hit it off, and I was like, okay, this is it. 
And I, I, I went up to her, and for whatever reason, my, my, I went through puberty again in one moment. I was like, hey, hi, Liz, you know. I said, hey, next time I'm in town, and next time I'm gonna visit my parents, could I, could I take you out, like, on a date? Like, you know, you're single, I'm single, we should Christian mingle, like, let's go out. And I remember I was so awkward and so nervous. And, and she said, yeah, I would love that. And, and we developed a long distance relationship, which for whatever reason, once we started really getting seriously, I moved from California back to Oklahoma, a reverse Grapes of Wrath voyage. But God had a plan. I don't know if we would be here in Kansas City. If at that intersection of opportunity, I didn't give some effort. If I didn't shoot my shot, who knows where we would be right now. Which, by the way, I'm going to speak to every single young man in our church. If you aren't serving in youth and kids, you're never going to have a Liz. That's just, that's just God's word for you today. They're turning away the people trying to serve in youth and kids. We all miss opportunities. We all do. We all, but grace of God, I want you to hear this message today, not about what you missed in yesterday, but what you're going to not miss in your future. We miss opportunities, a couple reasons why. First one, we're just unaware. We're unaware that this is something that, that, that could be significant. This is something that maybe is a, is a natural obedience, but it has a supernatural result. This was Joash's problem. He was unaware that there was more that Elijah was trying to do for him. Elijah bailed him out time after time. Even every step of the way, as we read in this passage in 2 Kings, he gives him, just do this, just do this. Now it was his opportunity for him to put his own effort and energy, but he was unaware that God was looking at his heart to see, will you give me your best? Another reason we miss opportunities, we're just inflexible. We won't stretch with it. We won't change course. We, we've gotten rigid in our beliefs or maybe even about ourselves and our own potential, or, or maybe just in trying to live out our plan or purpose. We have this unwillingness to, to change. And we get stuck in the small and the routine, and we never take a moment to sit back and say, God, is there a different way for my life? Is there another course for me to take? Is this an opportunity that's from you? Proverbs 13 tells us this. Is it's pleasant to see our plans develop. How many love it when your plan is working? But that is why fools refuse to give them up even when they are wrong. When it isn't working, you might need to flex a little bit. And I would just say this. No matter how big your dream is, God has bigger. God has something significant for you. In fact, if you do not need his help to accomplish the, the purpose and plan that you have for your life, you need a better plan. You need a God plan because we want to operate under grace, but we need his power in order to live a life that's bigger and up to our in Christ potential. Third and final one, and this one hits us all, especially on a Labor Day weekend, we realize we're just too busy. I, I, I can't see the opportunity because I'm so caught up in my day-to-day. In fact, there's a story of Jesus walking down the street, and he invites three guys to join him. The opportunity, man, of a, of a lifetime. And, and three of them says, hey, you come follow me, just like Peter did, and, and, and just like Matthew did. He, they got that same opportunity, and they, they all had an excuse. 
They all had something else going on that was higher priority than following Jesus. One says, I've got to go sell this piece of land. I got a business deal to close. Another one says, I need to go get my father's house in order because he's about ready to pass away. And there's nothing wrong with family obligations. But man, he missed a divine opportunity. The third guy, it says in Luke chapter 9, he, he, he says, Jesus, come follow me. And Jesus said, come. Come, come, come be one of my disciples. But the man said this, listen, he said, Lord, let me first, and then he made his excuse. Lord and me first are contradictions. They do not work together. Because he's, if he's your Lord, what? Then he's first. And when we see this passage, it's a kind of a strange story in 2 Kings. We see that sometimes God gives Direct directions, exact specific steps for you to accomplish what he's asking of you. And sometimes he leaves it up to your effort. How much do you want to put into it? For years, for years, Joash has just been doing exactly what Elisha said to do. And yet Elisha's waiting to see, will you actually have a heart that is willing to be passionate about what God is asking of you, about your legacy, about your lineage, about the leadership of God's people. And we see the king as he's crying over Elisha in the previous few verses. He's, he's, he's mourning the loss of this man because of what this man did for him. And now it's his season to step in to his own authority, and yet he lacks the effort that God was wanting to see in order for him to be the kind of man for God to produce greater victory through. Now, theologians and, uh, and uh, translators and semantic experts will disagree about what strike the ground with the arrows meant. Some say he just hit the arrows on the ground, but truthfully, the language translates strike means to shoot, and to the ground means into the earth. Elijah said, uh, I'll shoot this first arrow with you, but I want you to shoot more after this. And yet, Joash didn't shoot his shot. Joash did the minimum. Back in that day, they'd have anywhere between eight and 12 arrows in their quiver. And so by just doing three, he didn't even go halfway. He just went to a part of the way. He says, okay, I'm gonna appease the old prophet, but I, I don't really wanna do this. What does this matter? I'm not shooting at anything. I, I'm, just, I'm just doing what he says. I don't see how this is going to help me in battle. I'm not firing at the enemy. I'm just shooting shots out the window and Elisha is looking to say, will you follow and obey even when you cannot see the result? Will you put your effort and your energy into it even when you're not in the midst of the battle? Because that's the kind of person that God wants to build something great through. And I think if he knew how much was at stake, he would have given more effort. And in the same way, sometimes God mysteriously leaves out what's on the other side of our obedience what's on the other side of our passion, what's on the other side of giving our all. They say small keys open big doors and small acts of obedience order, opens doors of destiny in our life. And if we cannot give our very best, we will not see God's very best. So we pause for a moment and realize the power of decision often lies in our hands. When it comes to proclaiming kingdom come, building people that bring heaven to earth, uh, the future of our church by reaching people, building people, discipling people, raising up generations. If we go halfway, we miss opportunity. If you get half your heart into something, you're gonna get a diminished return. If you use half of your gifts, you're not gonna see the fullness of blessing. 
halfway in is opportunity lost. And people miss out all the time because they go halfway. The king does three taps or three shots and three arrows, and the prophet gets angry. And he says, why did you only give half effort? Why did you pause? Why didn't you give everything that you got? So now you're only going to get three victories instead of total victory. And some of you have not tasted total victory in an area of your life in a long time. And I've come to tell you today that God is giving you an opportunity by his grace for a renewal season, a revival season, a resurrection season, that there's a crossroads of opportunity for your life and calling that if you put your full heart into it, you will see total victory in your life. I believe that in Jesus' name. And most quivers in that day had a few arrows extra, and he didn't even give it all that it got. Why, it is too late for us to change Joash's story. It is not too late for us to change the story with us. It is not too late to change the story of the raising of your kids. It is not too late to change the story of your marriage walking in unity and blessing. It is not too late for you to pursue the God dream that he's put on the inside. There's a new opportunity for you, but God says, where is your effort? Where is your effort? I wonder if we knew, know how much really is at stake in even this next week. Everyday opportunities that are before us. I think often we're unaware. Sometimes we're busy. Sometimes we won't stretch with it. Sometimes we're inflexible. But I think more often than not, we're just unaware about how small acts of obedience and places of passion where we put our heart into it, what sort of destiny things lay in the balance of those that will give their all to God. Joash's name literally means, translates to Yahweh or God has given. God gave him a throne. God gave him a platform. God gave him an Elisha. God gave him opportunity, but what about effort? That was Joash's to give. And in the same way, believer, God has given you resurrected life. God has given you his Holy Spirit. God has given you the air in your lungs today. God has given you a fresh start. God has given you gifts, talents, and abilities. That's God's part, but you have a part to play as well. You got to give your enthusiasm. You got to give your obedience. You got to give your faith. And faith not that just talks, but faith that walks. A demonstrated action of belief that we don't just say the right thing, we do the God thing. Pro prophet puts his hand on the bow for the first arrow. That's for one victory. That's for victory in the next battle. And then Joash's hands, king's hands, determine how much more God would do for him and through him. I think the same way our, our one high priest, Jesus, by his hands nailed to that cross on Calvary's hill, has produced for us Freedom, victory over sin and death. Let's just take a moment and praise our God that we did not have to pay for our sins. They have been paid for because we have a hands-on God that comes and picks us up out of the miry clay, as the Bible says, and sets us on a firm foundation called salvation. But our future and our destiny, by the grace of God, is still in our hands. Our freedom, Jesus' hands. Our future, our hands. Jesus' hands produce victory. Our effort produces our legacy on the earth. What sort of difference will we make? 
And at 2 Kings, it seems like so much hangs in the balance. And it's unknown until the opportunity is missed. Small misses, small lacking of energy, effort, and ownership have big ramifications. I know he would have done more if he knew what was at stake. I know he would have done more. But Elijah was done with the step-by-step directions. It was time for him to bring his own effort. And when I read this story, I don't know if you're like me, I actually feel for Joash. I'm like, Elisha, why didn't you just tell him, hey, this is a big moment. Don't miss it. Why didn't you tell him to do it? I think it's often something that was in him that could be in us. Then why don't you write this down? Often we look for formulas, but God looks for faith. We want to think A, B equals C, and there's lots of principles in God's word that are A, B equals C. There's a lot of things that if we do this, God will do this. But when it comes to your life and when it comes to destiny and when it comes to God dreams coming to pass, it comes to strengthening your marriage and raising your kids and moving your family, your future forward, there's some things that God is actually looking for faith. Even the smallest amount of faith like a mustard seed could change the world. It can move mountains. God wants to know what will you do with the little effort, energy, gifting, talent, ability that you have. Will you hand it to me? And if I'm not asking for it all, I'm asking for what do you want to give? And when we give our all, it produces total victory in our life. We look for formulas. God is looking for faith. Often we want to do the minimum and we want the maximum. That is human nature. But friends, that is not your divine nature. The Bible says that now on the inside of you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And you belong in this household of faith that you're in God's family. And God is an all-in God. He loves you with what? An everlasting love. Even when you disobey, he loves you. Even when you don't return the favor of loving back, he loves you. Even while you're away from him, he comes after you. He is a God that goes all in. He's the God of maximum effort. And in the same way, when it comes to our building of our life and the sharing of our faith and the changing of this world, God is saying, here's the crossroads. Here's the opportunity. How will you own it? What sort of effort and energy will you bring? Look at this. In the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament declaration. It's a mandate from God. One from God's voice himself, the other through Jesus. And it says that, hey, the future is wide open for you. Look at Genesis chapter one, all the way back in the beginning. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God says, I'm giving it to you. I want you to steward it well. What are you gonna do with your time and energy? I've made you an authority in this place. How will you use your passion, your gifts, your talents, and your ability? Here's your opportunity. Now the effort part is on you. Jesus says it in the Great Commission, this mandate that drives the mission of our church, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And let me give you something to do. I'm gonna give you some authority. Uh, here on the earth, said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, reach people for Jesus. Make disciples and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you all the way to the end of the age. You see this wide open thing that God gives us to take over the whole earth. And the second one is to own the whole kingdom, to take ownership of your place 
and your part in the kingdom of God, the thing that lasts forever, ever, forever. And, and so you can say, well, where do I go? And Jesus says, everywhere. So everywhere you go is a kingdom opportunity. Everywhere you go is a kingdom opportunity. Well, who should I reach? Jesus says, all nations. We're going everywhere. This is a global movement. And yes, we have a part to play. And like Jesus said, the Judea, Samaria, that the, we go by regions. And here we are in Kansas City. We're on the plaza. We're going south. We're north. Like we're owning our place and purpose. This is what Jesus has given us. And yet he says, it's all yours. What are you going to do with the opportunity? Where are you going to put your effort? And you have one life to shoot. One arrow to launch from your life. Are you going to shoot it well? Maybe you feel like I'm a less gifted person. You might have two arrows in your quiver. Shoot them both. The principle that Jesus teaches called the parable of the talents is that if you're faithful with little, you'll get more. If you can give your energy and effort to that which you do have, God will give you more. And guess what? Last time I checked, mortality rate uh, has a 100% success rate. Well, not for Jesus or Enoch and Elijah in the Old Testament, but those are the outliers. But I am convinced that before we die, there is something that we're going to do and probably thousands of things we're going to be a part of that will outlive us. These kingdom things, the Bible says, that cannot be shaken are something that lasts for all time. So there's more opportunity than we are aware of. And you might have to start small, but it will end big. So before we die, let's really live. Let's not just live to keep up with the Joneses or to raise the level of our living. Let's live our life in giving and serving and loving and believing and declaring and praying and inviting. Because what we're a part of, if we put our effort in it, you won't believe the kind of opportunities that will lie before you. Well, I tried that once. I tried that once and it didn't work. I invited a friend. I started the business. Every entrepreneur in here will know that the first time you share your idea with someone, you're not getting a check, you're normally getting a laugh. Well, I tried it once. I, I tried in that relationship and I got my heart broken. I tried it once. Well, Churchill says that continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking your potential. Now, that ain't Bible, but that's wisdom. And it tells us that it's about continuing to do it. It's about continuing effort. It's about keep putting your energy into it. I gave once. I didn't see a change. That's not the heart that God is after. God's after the one that says you can have it all. God, you, you get everything. I forgave once, and they still didn't build a relationship with me. God says, no, this is just the way that we live. This isn't an action. This is a lifestyle. And at Kingdom City Church, we have a lifestyle, not of wearing ourselves out, but no, we do not miss God opportunities because of apathy. We are people of effort and energy. We give God our best. When Jesus tells the story of the three guys that had an excuse, remember, he actually is the one that called Peter. And Peter, who messed up, Peter that needed a face-to-face -face reconciliation because he missed it in his biggest moment. Peter wasn't perfect, and neither are any of us. But Peter, who didn't even seem, according to the Bible stories, like that good of a fisherman, wasn't that good at anything. Now, Peter from heaven is looking down at the Vatican and see like, hey guys, see that down there? That's St. Peter's Square, the most majestic church in all the world. They named it after me. Why? Because he was a little nobody from nowhere who gave his effort. 
One thing you could not fault the apostle Peter for was passion and energy and effort. He gave his all. It's amazing what God can do when you're not all that talented and you're not all that gifted, but you give God all of your energy and all of your devotion and all of your obedience. You give him your, your all. Opportunity demands effort. And you have opportunities every day. You see a hurting person. Don't feel bad for them. Encourage them. You see someone who's struggling, a wayward friend. Don't just pray. Pray and then obey and invite them back in. In fact, if we really believe what we believe about heaven and earth, about heaven and hell, about eternity, then we are always passionate and feeling full effort and energy towards evangelizing, encouraging, inviting, and engaging with the lost world around us. If you see someone distraught, don't say, I'll pray for you, which is Christianese for I feel bad for you, but I will forget about your problem as soon as I walk out the door. Oh, am I telling the truth too much in church today? Y'all okay? So what do we do instead? We pray right then as if God's ear is right next to your mouth and God's hand is right over their head because we believe when we pray, God goes to work. We're not mailing it in. We've been given the message that matters the most. We're going to give God our effort and opportunities, and it won't always seem like it works. But more often than not, you'll realize that God who works in mysterious ways will work all things together for good. He'll make a way that you never saw the possibility and the potential with what seemed like an ordinary opportunity. Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach. And he'd start out his message with saying, hey, you got to change. Repent, change course, direction, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I love that, that it's, it's right there. The kingdom of heaven, all that God wants to do on the earth is within reach. It's grabbable. It's obtainable. It's, it's near. That's why we're declaring over this season of our church, it's kingdom come. The thing that God wants to do is right here. It's within our reach. The family you're believing to come back to Jesus it's within reach. The, 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 the wayward friend who's far from God, they're within reach. They might not be within your proximity reach, but by God and his Holy Spirit, they're definitely within God's reach. The dream that's in your heart coming a reality, your marriage being stronger than ever, it's within reach. Heaven invading earth is within reach. If Jesus declared that, I wanna believe it and obey it, and if that's an opportunity, then I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him my effort. So what happens when it comes to opportunities if we don't? What happens if we don't? Well, Joash found out real quick that he had an opportunity that he missed that cost him total victory. Well, we don't always see it when we don't. What happens if we don't stretch our church out and build this amazing building from this gift of a deal that God provided for us? What if we don't? Well, if we don't, we don't. If we don't, we still got church. We still have our needs met. We, we don't do it. Who knows? I don't want to live my life in the, I don't know what's going to happen. I want to live my life on the forefront of effort and belief and faith and obedience to say, God, what's going to happen? So if we don't, there isn't much to lose that we know about in the here and now. But I like to change the question off of a negative and onto a positive filled with potential. What if we do? What if we do? What if we do? I love that one. Because what if we do means if I do something, something might happen. I won't fully see how God's hand's going to move in this situation. But if I do my part, that means the rest of the part is up to the one that knows how this thing is supposed to play out. 
So what if we do see thousands more people come alive to Jesus? What if we do build a new house of hope that feeds tens of thousands and rescues people out of poverty, gives them a hand up to a hope-filled future? What if we do, I don't know about you, church, I want to find out. What if I do take this job opportunity? Because I feel like although it is intimidating, I feel like the Holy Spirit's calling me to it. What if I do forgive that person that I've held on to bitterness for far, far too long and God's working in me that I just need to do it by faith even if they reject it? I don't know. I don't care about the what if I don't. I want to see the what if I do's. And there is something God is asking of you and I'm asking him, which I believe and I know that he'll answer. But as you begin to pray this week, God, where is this opportunity? What should my effort look like? I'm giving you all right access, all access pass to all of my energy and all of my effort, all of my devotion and all of my obedience, I'm giving to you first because I'm calling you Lord. I'm not saying Lord, but first I. I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll obey. I'll put my whole heart into it. I'll shoot that arrow. I'll strike the ground. I'm not going to miss out because I was apathetic. I think about the church. Our church has been built that way. 12 years ago, this month, can you believe that? 12 years ago. I mean, I know I still look so young, but imagine me back then. 12 years ago, we, Liz and I moved up here and we didn't know a soul in town. And so what did we do? We served everyone and anybody we could meet. Uh, in fact, one of our, technically the longest staff person, staff member, besides myself, was the person that got saved the second week of the church. We met at Starbucks. Just that moment of invitation to church brought transformation. It's like a brother to me now. Why? Because we, we, someone decided to say, what, what if I do invite him to church? What if I do lean into this moment? I remember waking up at 5 a.m. every Sunday morning to go pick up the trailer. I was out the door at 5.30. I don't know how to drive a trailer. Are you kidding me? Every time I tried to park that thing, I lost my man car. It took me like 20 minutes. That's why I had to leave so early. I was so bad at it. I was knocking over pylons and people left and right, but I had effort. I didn't have all the gifting or ability, but I knew, God, this is what I have to give you. And this isn't a Praise Kyle thing, because this church has been built not by me or Liz, it's been by the grace of God and hundreds of people that have joined in. I remember this location when it was at Park Hill South, and the team was setting up in the freezing cold, and somehow John Coleman was still wearing shorts. And I remember, like, the effort and the energy. Early on, snow day, like 12 people showed up. Those 12 people became the disciples. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the effort was there. What if we do? What if we do start a north location? What if we do build a house of hope? We didn't need that for church. God wanted it for the city. We gave our effort. We gave our sacrificial gifts. We built that. We still serve at it. Two, two million meals plus since COVID. Thousands upon thousands of lives impacted because we said, what if we do? And here we go into a new season of what if. What if we give our all? What if we pray for a supernatural provision? What if we all just obey the next thing God is asking of us? What if we do? What will we see God do? I believe he'll do something significant. If we give effort, if we give effort, if we give effort, we own the opportunity, then we'll see God do what only he can do. In fact, if you're not on a team, you need to get to next steps. If you've been just 
dipping your toe in church. This isn't about Kingdom City Church. This is about the kingdom of God. You belong in a local family of faith. It is the only way that you will thrive. It's like, well, what if I do? I don't know. I, I don't know about a connect group launch in a couple weeks. It's kind of weird for me. I'm so busy. Well, I'm telling you, the potential in your life is too beautiful for you not to be built together with other believers and find real faith. Well, I got a lot of issues and hang as friend, join the club. What if you hold on to those for the rest of your life? Or what if you actually find freedom in the family of faith by actually getting connected and integrated? What if I serve? Oh, what if I don't? I got all the things going. What happens if you do? I want you to be willing to lean in to time with the Holy Spirit, to let him speak to you more than my voice on the platform, the, his voice in your heart to tell you exactly the next step you're called to take. Emerson said that enthusiasm is the mother of all effort. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, excitement produces energy, activity, and effort. Enthusiasm, that word in the Greek, literally means being inspired or possessed by God. Now, we're not possessed by God, but we are God's very own possession. And we get inspired when he begins to speak to our heart. We get inspired when we read the promises of God's word that say they are yes and amen in Christ. It says, God, if you said that, I'm gonna go ahead and believe it. We get inspired when we live a life that's bigger than ourselves and live for the service of all humanity for God's glory, not our own. We get inspired, and your spirit rises up. And for some of you, it is time to get past your old hurts, your old wounds, your old insecurities, your old fears and frustrations that have pinned you back to be the person that just shoots three arrows when you've got a full quiver of potential on the inside that you don't even know the kind of victory that's gonna produce in your life. It's time to get your spirits up again. It's time to believe again. It's time to obey again. It's time to put your heart into it again. And if you do, you won't know or see all the great things God wants to do until you actually do it. It's step-up season for us as a church. I said before, there's at least eight arrows in the quiver. Joash shot one with the prophet and there's three on his own. Got about halfway there. I'll just say this, we got seven arrows left in the quiver. It's seven arrow shooting kind of season for us. I'm speaking that over your life today. It's no longer holding back. I might not see what I'm even aiming at right now, but God, I'm drawing back and releasing everything I've got. I'll shoot another one, another one, another one. And when I am empty, God has enough. When I've given everything, I'm just beginning to tap into his ability to be my everything. It is seven arrow shooting kind of season for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your career, for your future. It is shoot everything that you got because God's got you. He said he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He has gifted you even supernaturally, but you won't see the supernatural without the natural obedience. Let's open the key to the big door of destiny. It is your time. It is your season. Victory is already yours in Jesus' name. Father, I believe and declare over every life in our church. We are not holding back. Here's our heart. Here's our little. In your hands it becomes much. Here's my everything. Here's my gift. Here's my talent. Here's my future. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but it isn't mine anyways. You gave it to me. I've given it back. God, I'm calling you, Lord. It's not me first anymore. It's you. It's people around me. Lord, we're declaring kingdom come 
over every heart, over every marriage, over every family, over every career. God, we're going to give you all. If I only got one shot left, God, I'm shooting again. Forgive me for holding on to my gifts. I'm giving you my all. If you believe that, if you're ready to start shooting with what you got, can we praise God for a moment in this house? Come on, let's lift up a praise. Come on, no, you got to give him. No, 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 no. We give him more than that. He deserves it all. He's the one who gave his son. He's given you salvation. Peace, healing, and hope are yours. Promises of God that are yes and amen. Come on, let's give him the arrow right now of our praise, of our worship, of our affection. Come on, church, let's see.